Well, it's good to be here. Um, I always said, first thing I was going to do was move out of Florida as soon as I moved out of my parents' house. And of course, I moved further into Florida in Orlando. By moving further into the Florida, I moved out of the South, though. So um, I will be taking us through and looking at Exodus 16. I won't read all of Exodus 16, although I am preaching on the whole of it. And if you like, you're welcome to keep a finger in um, John 6 as well, because these are, I believe, parallel passages uh, for us. And, and I'll be using John 6 as a help in understanding Exodus 16. So I'll read the first 12 verses from Exodus 16, then I'll jump down to verse 31. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt." When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For who are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to, to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord." Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Jumping to verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations, as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept, and the people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan, and Omer is the tenth part of Ephah. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we thank you as we come to your word. Thank you that you continue to feed us through your word. We ask that you would watch over the words of my sinful lips now and the meditations of all of our hearts, that these things would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For, Lord, you are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. 
Well, I would ask this question. I've already hinted at it even in telling you to keep a finger there in John 6. But how does John 6 help us to understand what's going on here in Exodus 16? Can we trust Christ who died to give us life to provide for us and sustain us each day? Can uh, John 6 makes it clear to us that the answer is yes. Yes, we can trust him. If we put our faith in Jesus, he will sustain us each day and bring us into the heavenly promised land. If we look to John 6 as a commentary of Exodus 16, we learn that Jesus Christ is our bread of heaven. We must eat his flesh and drink his blood, and he will sustain us to the promised land. Our first point this morning is that Jesus Christ is our bread from heaven. When Matthew records for us the incarnation, he makes a note for us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, many of you likely know this Small detail, of course, connects to us that he is from David. It fulfills the passage in Micah, but the meaning of Bethlehem is house of bread. It gives us insight into the nature of who Jesus is and what he will do. Even his birth in Bethlehem testifies to us that God feeds his people the bread from heaven in fulfillment of what was promised here in Exodus 16. John makes another connection between the Incarnation and Exodus 16. Notice in the text here that Moses gives Israel the promise of God that Israel will behold his glory and he will feed them. Bread from heaven as testimony of his covenantal relationship to them, proof that he is the Lord, their God. And so how does John record the Incarnation? It's no surprise to us that when Jesus Christ arrives on the scene, John says, The word became flesh, and we have beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten Son of God. Exodus 16 records to us that these events took place in an arid, sandy waste. Similarly, if we look at John 6, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, this took place in a desolate place. John 6 records that there in that desolate place, Jesus asked the disciples, where are we to buy so that these, uh, that these people may eat? Buy bread. And John tells us in, in verse 4 that Jesus did this to test them. Once again, we see this, this parallel between John 6 and Exodus 16, verse 4. The disciples are shocked, even at the prospect of feeding so many people. It's impossible. We go on to read that, Although neither the disciples nor the crowds had the money to buy the food, Jesus feeds them. Fulfilling Isaiah 55.1, he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Now, I'm sure many of you are at least somewhat aware of the effects of supply and demand. We are currently dealing with the effects of inflation. We're dealing with the effects of supply and demand. But if we look back at 2020, there was a short supply of one product toilet paper, right? It didn't matter whether or not you had money to buy it. You could go to the grocery store and there wasn't any to be found. Well, this is what we see taking place in Exodus 16. There's no food for the people. So it takes place in John 6. There's no food for the people. It didn't matter whether they had money to come and buy and eat. And yet, what do we see? But here in the desert, in Exodus 16, when they had no money and no food, the Lord fed them. In John 6, again, God provided 
for his people at no cost. Christ tells us that we may come to him without money to buy and eat. That's what he says to us in John 6, 5. Well, here's the point. Jesus is our bread from heaven. That's clear. He's born in Bethlehem. He feeds the 5,000. But beloved, do we trust the Lord to provide for us? Do we trust him to feed us as we need to be fed? Here's the the great comfort. There's, There's no limits to the Lord's provision for his people. His hand is not shortened to provide for his people. As the Lord provided for over 2 million people in the desert for 40 years. And then again, 5,000 people, 5,000 men, actually close to 10,000 people bred there in the desolate places on the Galilean seashore. We can be assured that he can provide for us. And he will provide for us. Each and every one of his people throughout the world, no matter the number, no matter their circumstances. But the greatest thing that he provides his people is not physical provision, is it? It's spiritual food. He feeds us spiritually. The bread of life. Jesus, when he we, uh, was addressing the people, following this feeding of the 5,000, he says in verse 35, 38, and 40, I am the bread of life. Who com- he who comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I have come down from heaven, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who believes in me should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Well, in Exodus 16, we read that Israel grumbled against the Lord. In doing so, they proved that they did not believe in the real presence of God in their midst. Beloved, does our behavior reveal that we don't believe in the real presence of God in our midst? That he won't provide for us? Do we reflect this similar unbelief? Do we trust the Lord to sympathize with us in our weaknesses and to anticipate our necessities? And provide for those? Do we trust him to provide all our needs? We must trust him to provide and trust him to provide for us actually better than we would provide for our own children. Isn't this what Jesus said? What father among us would give his child a snake when he asks for a fish or a stone when he asks for bread? How much more does our heavenly father feed us? This is what the Lord said that he would do in fulfillment of his relationship testimony to his covenantal relationship with us. Well, one of the ways that we demonstrate our faith in Christ and his provision for us is by coming to him, coming to him and expecting him to feed us. This brings us to the second point. We must eat his flesh and drink his blood. This is what Jesus tells us in John 6, verse 56. This is what Jesus teaches us in John 6. In fact, he makes it emphatic. He says, we have spent our time in pursuit of that which perishes, but if we would live forever, we must make him our sole pursuit and desire. We must eat his flesh and drink his blood, for he is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Jesus told Israel that he is the bread from heaven, sent by the Father to feed his covenant people. You see that Jesus' very presence on earth testifies to Israel that they are God's people. It testifies to us that as as we are trusting and resting in him, we are God's people. He is our covenant God. He is the Lord, our God. It testifies that he has not forgotten us. He has not neglected his covenant people. The incarnation of Christ assures us that the Lord is our God 
in fulfillment of what is promised in Exodus 16, verse 12. Have you ever thought about that? That the incarnation is fulfillment of Exodus 16, verse 12. That the Lord will feed his people as testimony. That the, they are his people and he is their God. Now each day we shall be filled with Jesus as testimony to that relationship. The Lord will feed us and provide for us. As we come to the end of the second month of this new year, now some of you may be thinking about 2024 weight loss plans. 2020 weight loss plans that are working or maybe not working at this point. Why do we tend to gain weight at the end of the year as we go through the holidays coming to the end of the year? Well, it's because it's a time of celebration and joy and, and we eat and eat and eat sweets and treats. As a good friend of mine says, if you don't gain 10 pounds, you're not doing it right. And that's all good and fine in moderation. It's not wrong. But what if we act that way in our spiritual lives? Why is it that so many of us lack spiritual energy? Why are we spiritually lethargic? Why are we unwilling or unable to run the spiritual race that is set before us? Why are we able to, unable to run with energetic joy and enthusiasm? Perhaps it's because we've not been feeding our souls with the word, with Christ. We've not come to him to eat and drink. We've not expected him to feed us, and so we've not come. Well, here is the point. Jesus says that we must look to him for strength, guidance, and blessing. And here we take great comfort that Jesus will richly supply us if we come to him. He will give us everything we need out of his riches and glory, Paul says. As we abide in him, Jesus says, we will bear fruit. Some have used the analogy of a live wire. You can't touch it without being shocked. You cannot ingest Jesus without life coming into you and bearing good fruit. You will be filled. You will have life. So come. Come to him and eat and he will feed you. Beloved, what have you been feeding your souls? Have you been ingesting too much social media or news media? Or entertainment? Have you forgotten to spend time in the Word and in prayer? Perhaps you've been so distracted with the physical needs of yourself and your family that you've neglected to care for the spiritual needs of yourself and your family. Do your families know the priority? Do our families know this priority of family worship, of corporate worship? How about Bible reading and prayer? Do they see us doing and using these things well? Or are we merely checking boxes? What is the impression that we're giving our children? That they can come and feast or that they have to eat their vitamins? Isaiah asks this question and the Lord picks up on it in John 6. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich fruit, food. This is a feast, beloved. A feast that we come and we eat rich food. He is urging us to come to Christ Jesus will feed us each day, richly supplying all our needs, and he will bring us home. 
right at the end of Exodus 16, that's the promise that the Lord is going to feed them until they are brought home into the promised land. Well, this is our final point this morning. He will sustain us to the promised land. That's the promise that we have in Exodus 16, 35. In Exodus 16, we read that the Lord provided for each family, indeed each individual within the family, so that no one had any lack. One commentator says, The entire quantity gathered amounted exactly to what the whole nation required. Similarly, when Jesus told the disciples to gather the leftover loaves, John records for us how many baskets full were left over. There were 12 baskets full left over. And what does that signify? That there was enough for each one of his tribes. No one is left out as the Lord feeds his people. There is enough to eat rich food and be richly supplied. No one goes hungry. Not only is God not intent upon murdering his people, as they've claimed in verse 3 of Exodus 16, but he gives them weekly Sabbath rest and promises to feed them. Sabbath rest in his provision and assurance that he will sustain them until they are brought fully and finally into the rest and provision of the promised land. You've probably heard this question asked. I'll ask it to you in in perhaps a different way you've ever heard it. If you were stranded on a desert island and you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that meal be? We ask this question a lot. It's It's an icebreaker. It's a way that we get to know a little bit more about ourselves. Well, If we consider that question spiritually, it comes with more seriousness, doesn't it? If we were to feed our souls with one thing for the rest of our lives, what would that thing be? Do our children know the answer that we would want to give? What will your father feed his soul for the rest of his life? What will he make sure that his children are fed for the rest of their days? What will your mother feed her soul? Will they answer the same way? Will you eat Christ? Will your pursuit of him characterize everything that you do? Here is the point. Jesus will sustain us in this life. And he will bring us into heaven as we're resting in him. Do you hunger for him? Are you satisfied when you come to him? Here we have great comfort. God gives us weekly rest just as he gave to the, to the uh, Israelites in the, in the desert. He gives us weekly rest in the redemption that's accomplished in Christ until we're fully and finally brought into the eternal rest of the promised land. Each Lord's Day, the Lord feeds us and sustains us so that we might be brought safely into glory. The spiritual food that we eat is merely a foretaste of heaven. We're feasting and having this foretaste of the feast that we shall enjoy in heaven. And one day, think about this, In one day, the Lord feeds us spiritually enough to last us the whole week. But we must come prepared. It's enough to sustain us for the entire week, but we must be prepared to hear the word. We must ingest it as we hear it. And then we must go out and consider the word and how it affects us, how it affects our daily walk with the Lord. We consider the word. We chew upon it. Just as the Israelites woke each day and saw the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Right? That was the promise, that they would wake up, they would open their tent door, and they would see the land covered with the Lord's blessing. 
They would wake and see the Lord's mercies are new every morning. He is still our covenant God and we are still his covenant people. Every time you come into the Lord's service, are you reminded of that, beloved? That the Lord's mercies are new every morning. When you see the supper put before you, do you remember the Lord's mercies are new every morning and he is still feeding you his people? This is what this great promise that Jeremiah rested in. As we serve the Lord in 2024, let us look forward with confidence as Jeremiah did in the midst of ruins in Jerusalem in Lamentations 3. Maybe you're, you're thinking as you go into this year with elections, with wars going on, with chaos throughout the world, that we are in ruins. Has the Lord forgotten us? What was it that Jeremiah said there in Lamentations 3? It's a very famous passage. In fact, we base this great hymn Great is thy faithfulness off of this passage. I'll read it for you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, Jeremiah is resting in this promise from Exodus 16 that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. That he will provide for his people and feed them every day. He's, that, that will be testimony to him and to the Lord's people of the Lord's covenantal care, and that finally and fully he will bring us home to glory. He will be our portion. Beloved, this is the point as we're coming to a close here. Jesus is the bread from heaven. He makes that explicit. He calls himself the bread from heaven. Fulfilling Exodus 16, verse 4, he feeds his sheep abundantly and urges us to come to him without money to buy and eat. Jesus told us, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of heaven promised in Exodus 16, ultimately, yes, it's the manna, but ultimately it's Jesus Christ. Let us feed on him, beloved. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we rejoice and we praise you that you do not just provide for our physical needs, but you provide for every one of our spiritual needs, anticipating them, even interceding for us prior to ever encountering temptation or trial. Lord, that, that we could say and be reminded, even the words that you spoke to Peter, that even after you fall, you would be restored and come and encourage your brothers. Lord, you know what each and every one, every soul here is struggling with. You know the temptations, the frustrations, and the trials that they have. I pray that you would feed them by your word, that you would encourage them, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and bless them, O Lord. Give them strength in their studies, that they would drink deeply of your word so that as they go out, Lord willing ministers, to feed your people, they would have drunk deeply and eaten the rich food of your word to feed your people. Lord, we thank you that you have not forgotten us and that you bear daily testimony that you are our God and we are your people. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.